Hello again and welcome to your member-only content here with the USCCA. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine, and this is a special service we provide to our USCCA members. Our topic today is going to be on-scene questioning. We're going through, in five-minute segments, all of the steps that happen following a defensive gun use, and I'm here with our friend and noted criminal defense attorney, Tom Grieve. He's also a former state prosecutor, so he sees this from both sides of the issue. And Tom, today we're going to give you five minutes to talk about on-scene questioning. Say we've gone through a couple of other steps during and after the defensive gun use. Now the police are on the scene, and they need to know what's going on. So Let's talk about on-scene questioning. What should you say or not say as the police start asking you questions at the scene? You've got five minutes, you're on the clock. So we're, we're really gonna big picture wanna limit the flow of information. And that's not because you have something to hide. It's simply because you've been through one of the most, if not the most stressful situation in your life. Statistically, we know that there's a good chance that this happened at night. Statistically, we know as a result of that, unless you're a third shifter or something that you're already tired. Uh, you may be it may have been a while since your last meal. We know that there are uh, your your neuro uh, pharmacological state of chemicals and adrenaline and everything ricocheting off the insides of your brain has almost certainly, to one degree or another, distorted your ability to perceive what you're seeing, what you're hearing. We know that your physical strength and your reactions have have changed. Mm -hmm. I have had clients in self-defense situations who have had to use a firearm within a couple blocks of where they've lived their entire lives for decades. Yeah. They don't know what street they're on. Yeah. They couldn't identify the time of day. Um, and if they're giving a full flow of information to the responding officers on scene... Or what they think is a full flow of information. And then they're wrong, mm -hmm. that can look sketchy. That That's going to be impeachable and viewed through a negative light, which, you know, a prosecutor just hypothetically could do, mm -hmm. um, that's that's going to put you on the back foot. Yeah. So what we want to do is want to be able to very clearly identify the fact of, look, I was attacked. I was the victim. That was the bad guy. That was his weapon. Keep in mind that not all the time weapons are going to be obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, the bad guy had a, had, a, had a firearm in his hand, and that firearm's still in his hand even though he's on the ground. Okay, that's a more obvious example. Yeah, that's, but that's not the way to call a clue. A clue, yeah. yeah. That that's not the way it always turns out. You know, sometimes they're using improvised weapons, like maybe a screwdriver, mm -hmm. and this is in your garage. Yeah. The the Phillips head on the floor, six feet away from them, will that be processed and collected as evidence? Will it not? Yeah. So we shouldn't be making assumptions about very critical things like that. So if you have, if they used a weapon and this was the door that they broke through on, or whatever the case may be, identify that information so that it will be gathered for your lawyer to use later. Okay, you want to make it very clear that you're willing to cooperate with the investigation, but only after you've had opportunity to speak with your attorney. And um, I'm going to come at this uh, from the the police officer, the law enforcement response side, and then I'm going to ask um, the the question that I'll, I'll follow on with is: Is there something you should or shouldn't say? Because when I get to the scene, and this is any incident, when I get to the scene, um, I want to know what's going on, and I'm going to start asking people lots of questions, especially if there's been violence and and anyone who has perpetrated the violence has left the scene or tried to escape. I'm going to be asking you, who probably just shot at a bad guy, what did he look like? Where did he go? What happened? What happened? And, and I'll keep going over that again and again. A as the victim of this, um, 
what what would you tell one of your clients or, or a prospective client to say or not say to me because I'm just looking for information. I don't know what happened. Right. You do. You were there. Right. Again, limit the flow of information. And that's not because we don't want the bad guy to be caught. It's not it's not because of that. It's because you may not have perceived everything. In fact, you almost certainly are not perceiving and processing everything correctly. So the more details and the more into the weeds that you go, the higher the probability that you are uh, uh, unintentionally misleading law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So yeah. look, there was a white guy, he was wearing a white shirt and, uh, and jean shorts, and he got into this red pickup truck and he went that way. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Right. Yeah. If he had a noticeable scar or something like that or a tattoo, you know, on his on his face or something. Great. Mm -hmm. OK. Uh, do I want to get into how many steps away from you? Uh, you know, he was when he did X, Y, Z or the exact arm angle that he was holding, whatever it was he was holding. Those are facts that are that are best left for when you've had an opportunity to collect yourself and to and to talk everything through. And is there certainly something that you should not say? And and what I'm getting at here, I'm going to be very specific. Should not tell the responding officer, I wanted to kill him, I wanted him dead, or I shot him a whole bunch of times, or something like that. Right. So. Well, certainly. Look, if if you are following your training properly, I don't know a single credible training program that's saying shoot to kill. Right. It's you shoot to stop the threat. Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. Why did you have to shoot him five times? Because he was still coming after at me after the fourth. He was still a threat after the fourth. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's if your if your training should reflect that reality, then your statements should as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Here we're coming down. We were in under the wire 458 this time. I saw the two flashing up on the screen out there. Is there anything that we might have missed? I mean, important topics. I want to make sure that we're covering it. We gave it five minutes. This is a good place to start. But anything that on the scene, the cops are going to be asking questions. Anything that you should say or shouldn't say just briefly as we wrap this up. Don't make the assumption that everything is going to turn out the way that you think it will, because that's an assumption people always make on the scene. And by that, I mean, you're going to have witnesses who come out of the woodworks. Maybe they're one of the bad guys who's mm -hmm. now trying to twist things around. Maybe it was a good Samaritan who, you know, just happened to turn the block and they heard gunshots and they came around the corner and they saw you holding a gun and it looked like you were attacking them. Yeah. Right. The police should be doing a good job of processing all these witnesses and all this information. And this is, again, part of the reason why we really want to limit the flow of what you're saying, okay, is because this is all going to be coming out in a very disjointed fashion to law enforcement. In today's age of cameras and cell phones and everything else anywhere, if you're in any urban area, hopefully there's a good chance that something is going to be captured on camera. Um, you are not perceiving things correctly take your time. There's a reason why yeah. when law enforcement officers are involved in a self-defense shoot, they're typically given a couple days cool down and an opportunity to speak to an attorney before they can make their statement. Um, take advantage of those same things. You're, you're entitled to those same benefits. Absolutely. You have the right to remain silent. Uh, do you have the ability? I guess that's what we're going to talk about. And we'll be talking about that next. Folks, I want to remind you again, this is not legal advice. This is the starting point for you to start learning more about your self-defense journey. This is a lifelong process, becoming a responsibly armed citizen. And we are giving you only the very little bit right at the top of the funnel here. You need to start going down and looking, check your local listings, understand your laws, and have a plan before all of this craziness unfolds in front of you. 
This has been your member-only content, a special service for our USCCA members. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Thank you for watching.